hello and welcome back listeners to the Purposeful Marketing Podcast. Today we just have Aaron and Mary with us. James, I wish him well. He's not feeling well. So let's put him in our hearts and our minds and send out that positive energy because I miss him. That being said, Mary and I are going to tackle a topic that we both have experience with. And really the question of the why today is what makes a good client agency relationship? Um, as both of us work at agencies, I work in SaaS, Mary works in manufacturing. That client agency relationship is a Venn diagram of certain aspects and details. And that's what we're going to deconstruct today. So I'll just throw it out there blind. Yeah, Mary, so where do you want to take this? Number one, I think I'm going to get into like the tactical side. So exactly, you know, the bits and pieces, but we always want to bring this back to what the purpose of Purposeful Marketing Podcast is, and it's this is a podcast for the everyday in-house marketing practitioner, maybe your agency or in-house, and just making sure you're asking, why are you doing this, both from your career development standpoint too. So Aaron and I chose this topic because we think there's a lot of common traits that make an agency client relationship valuable that you can take into your own career. So this is also finding the good company traits that are going to give you opportunities to grow as a, as a marketer. So I would think number one, and I'm sure Aaron will agree wholeheartedly with this one is the lead. It's a leader who's already bought in. So you either have a VP of marketing, a head of marketing, even the CEO himself or herself who comes to the agency saying, I believe in what you do and I need your help to do it. Love that. Let's start there. Um, where it takes my mind is also, I want to take a step higher as far as like, what is the agency after like actually offering? Um, is an agency offering a service, a playbook, a process, expertise? Are they offering all four? I think it's in your best interest to think about what your agency does. And if it's service, then you should be offering exceptional customer service. If it's process and a playbook, you should be building something for someone to repeat. And I can't even remember the fourth one because I just threw it out there. <laughs> Remind me, oh, Mary. Like an uh, like like individual campaign. Yeah, yeah. Oh, expertise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, expertise, right? It's like, are you um, building the research for your particular industry to use um, as an agency? An agency can do all four, you know? So it's just important to really think about that and think about what you offer. So then when you go back to Mary's point, number one, once you get buy-in, that leadership buy-in, they know what they're buying and what you're going to offer, right? And that relationship is more cohesive. It's more going down the right direction because there's going to be pitfalls. If you work in an agency, you know at least one day out of 365 days, something's going to go wrong. But if you have that buy-in, that's great. <laughs> You know, that person's going to understand that, hey, we're humans, we make mistakes, but we're going the right direction. I bought into it. Yeah, I think that's Any great. And that, I Mary? love that you pointed out, because I always forget this too, because I was an in-house marketer for six years, and then I've been on the agency side for one year. And I would say Gorilla as an agency is one that kind of does a little bit of everything. So they give you a repeatable process. They want to be involved every step of the way in your marketing program. And for most of our clients, the reality is they either have one or two marketers or none. So we kind of are 
their marketing mm-hmm. team. So, um, yeah, I don't remember where I was going with that either. I think we're both. So you mentioned number one. <laughs> Do you have a number two? Um, <laughs> I can throw out a number two yes. as well. <laughs> the number two would be they're willing to invest the resources needed to boost that program. Mm-hmm. So the CEO can be bought in all he wants and say, hey, yes, I believe in the process. I believe in what you guys are saying, but I'm not willing to invest any time or resources, aka money, into that program. So that's where we kind of, it's easy for an agency like Gorilla to say, okay, well, that's where we can like kind of stop the engagement. You know, maybe this isn't something worth pursuing. But when I was an in-house marketer, this was like a real frustration point for me because it was, I can see this working. I have my leader who believes in me, who believes I can do this, but he's also telling me, I need you to do this with no money. (laughs) So yeah, that's that's an interesting (laughs) one. And I know you kind of see this more on the SaaS side where they are willing to invest the resources, aka money, to really see this program through. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. And money is an interesting comment because mm-hmm. it can be a blessing or a curse. And, and I think throwing money at um, tactics doesn't inherently make it better. Um, and I know, not speaking about our SaaS clients, because I love them, but generally in SaaS, I think that's one of the levers that's pulled real quickly is let's spend more money. Now, as a tactical marketer, what we're kind of saying is when you meet a client who's ready to invest, oh man, that's yeah, that's wonderful, right? Is um, keep having those conversations. And if the person has bought in and they're ready to invest, that means they're ready to have transparent conversations. I think that's something as an agency, as I learned is you do not have to do everything for the client, but they're going to trust you, right? So that's where you can add your expertise. And in your example with Grilla, it's at a certain point, you know, Grilla is going to say, we don't do that, but we can hook you up with someone that does. I think the pitfall that agencies may run into is when you agree to everything. It's, oh yeah, we can do that, right? Um, it's, well, I'm it's taking good. this a totally different direction, but it's like when you're, an, when, when you're an actor and you're like, oh yeah, I, I can do that dance scene, but you don't know how to dance, right? It's, you're just going to say yes because one day they're going to turn the camera on you're going to get the move. Um, I think we, we fall into that in agencies a lot, especially if you're the service model. Is I need to run more services. So um, yeah, we can do it. Now, again, I think you really want someone to invest and buy in. And what that's going to give you is, and I don't know if this is your th- number three, but I'll, I'll just pitch as a number three, is someone who understands that was, time. That was mine, no joke. And allows time to happen. <laughs> okay, okay. I knew we were on the same page. Um, do, do you want to yeah, kind of so frame that for I everyone? I didn't know if this was like technically in the buy-in, but I, I separated it like you did. And the number, like our our client could be bought in They could give us the resources, but then what they don't understand is really good marketing results take time. We need time to build the foundation. We need time to execute. And then we need time for that execution to see real results. Yeah, timing is so important. And I think you have to have empathy for it too. And the thing is agencies move quickly. We move so fast, right? That's how we were born in, in this marketing world is move faster. Um, our clients, not so much, right? And you have to respect their time. I think quite often I've been in many conversations of like, you have to move faster. But I know now it's it's normally not 
the client themselves that's holding it up, right? It's again, maybe they, they don't have that investment level on their end. Um, and that's having that empathy for time. Cause again, it's, you can try to change people, right? You can try to change a company, but there's just so many factors that you don't control as a tactical marketer. So your best thing to do is work with the time and be empathetic to the time yeah. that you have with your client. Yeah. That's Any thoughts on that, Mary? perfectly said, you know, I think, especially as an agency too, you get so wrapped up in the marketing end that you don't realize that company also has to, you know, give time to their, the PE firm who owns them. Sorry, that's private equity. If you don't know the acronym, um, they need to give time to their sales team. They need to give time to their accounting department. They need to give time, a lot of time to product engineering because the product is where it is. And in manufacturing and industrial, there's a really unique aspect of the manufacturing side. Maybe they haven't upgraded their warehouse in 15 years and they need to do like a complete overhaul to introduce automation and robotics, you know? So I think that time factor is really critical to be like, to your point, Aaron, empathetic of all the other things that are pulling this leadership's attention and demand for resources. Well said. Um, to take us to number four, I have one, but I did want yeah, to check I do, with you. But you, you go one. with your number four, and I'll make mine number five. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, so number four. Um, okay, first off, let's reframe here. As we talked about um, investment, buy-in, under investment is time. My number four is I just made it up right now, but it's questions Ooh, versus nice. facts. Is if you're working with a client. And they are only concerned with facts. And that's the only thing they're concerned about. They're not asking the why. They're not asking the questions. Now, this is kind of a subjective take, but I think, again, if you're working with a client agency and they're asking questions and good questions, it means they want, they want to learn. They have the buy-in. They want to understand the philosophy of what you're doing. Hold on to that. I think as a marketer, tactical marketer is sometimes that's been overwhelming and like asking me questions about the ad platform or how things work. but that lets me know like someone is really open to these ideas of marketing and testing and experimenting and knowing that everything's not a fact, right? It's like, you have to go figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. I that? love that you framed it that way too. And you know, when we worked together at Gorilla, that was like a really big learning point for me that you showed when I would shadow you on strategy calls is it doesn't have to be 100% reporting or 100% you talking at the person and updating them on their campaigns, like leave room for those questions or even better anticipate the questions they might ask so that you can open it up for even more in-depth ones. Yeah. Until, and I think anytime you encounter someone who has questions, yeah. it's just they're engaged. <laughs> and like when you have someone just asking for facts alone, <laughs> It's like, you know, they need to hit some numbers. And I'm not saying that's bad at all. We should be data-driven. I would prefer us to be data-informed, yeah. as we talked about. Um, but I think people who ask questions, they're hovering around I, that yeah. data. Informed. I totally agree with that. Awesome. Okay, number so five, my number five is kind of, again, tied to the buy-in, but in a different way. Um, I would really be looking for a leadership team who's committed to the fundamentals. So the fundamentals in my book for marketing are customer research, positioning, 
segmentation, messaging, and targeting. So those are so important to the success of your marketing strategy that if the leadership team isn't bought into those either individually or as a whole, the marketing strategy is almost certainly going to fail. And even worse, you could be missing some real opportunities for learning and growth in your marketing career. Yeah, these are good. <laughs> I wish I knew these when, when I was younger and, and maybe they would help me out in my career. Um, that's super duper important. I, I don't really have any extra comments on that. Um, do you have any other numbers? Because I, I do want to make one solid point about these five. No, I mean, I have some good stories about those five too. So let's let's continue. Okay, cool. Because I wanted to speak on the fact of like, what if none of those five exist? Like, what should you do as a marketer? And I think in your tactical marketing role, there's not a lot you can do. I think the biggest thing you can do is understand that you don't control those five. And you shouldn't take that on your shoulders, right? Is This is that conversation about um, doing your work versus the work. When you put your work in, you put yourself in it. You put your identity in it versus the work is just the work. And it can get better. It can get worse. You can improve on it. If you don't have five, do the work, right? Because as we've talked about in the show is um, we want you to ask the questions. So then you understand why you're doing the tactics. If you just have to do the tactics, do the tactics, right? We're all human. <laughs> you need a job. So I think that's something James has brought up a couple of times. So that's where I took it, but I would love some, some stories. Yeah, I completely Mary. agree, Aaron. Like, hey, you know, take all of these points and things with a grain of salt, because at the end of the day, you just got to do the work. Like sometimes you just need to show up and see and tell your boss that, yeah, you know, I checked the box. I ran the paid search campaign. I made the slide deck. I'm running the webinar. So yeah, that's an awesome point, Erin. Um, my story about it is um, even if they don't have them in place, I think it's good to measure the appetite for marketing fundamentals. So the way I did this, I worked for two different departments in my former job. So I worked on the R&D side and then the corporate side. On the R&D side, we were releasing a new product and my leader was totally bought in. Now I was a pretty newbie marketer, so this is like, you know, bad on me. Um, he was totally bought into doing customer research and turning that into quality messaging on the website. Now I didn't have quite as much experience in um, like targeting and segmentation and all that good stuff. But he was bought in and we did it and it was like really cool. We just, you know, maybe didn't execute as well as we could have. But the point that I'm trying to make is I wish I would have recognized how important that support and appetite for the fundamentals and the foundational aspects of marketing is. So that's important. Now, when I went to the corporate side, um, I learned a little bit more by that point. So I had a little bit more basis for knowledge and I tried to educate my leader on why I thought we should do um, positioning, messaging, targeting, segmentation, customer research. And there was zero appetite. It was like, marketing doesn't do this. We do what our product teams tell us to do. They do all that for the product. So they handle customers' messaging, 
like, okay, well, we handled some messaging because we created brochures and a product page, but they do the segmentation, they do the positioning. And so the appetite was zero. And that's when I knew I didn't want to work there anymore was I knew I wasn't going to have an opportunity to really grow my marketing knowledge and my marketing career. And that's so important. And again, as a technical marketer, I, you're going to fit, be faced with the opposite a lot, I think. And But when you do get one of these clients that fit all five, oh man, the growth there, the, the experience, the stories. And I have many good stories as well. And a lot from Grilla too is, you know, when you find the right people that buy into the right philosophy, that's marketing magic right there. And you're not even, you're not now, even working, right? Like when you, you I know, you're not even with them and you're like doing your job, it's like so much fun that it doesn't even feel like work. So, you know, and we haven't done an episode like on internal marketing, which is uh, essentially marketing to your peers and maybe sometimes your client and persuading them and telling them that narrative and story. And I think that's part of it as well. But again, if, if you look at your client roster or if you have that capability, it's just like, see if they have one of these five. I think even if you have one of the five, yes. that's great. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of agencies who have none of the five. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Let's see, where do we want to take this? Um, what, yeah, so let me, let's articulate this a little more. Like what happens when this goes wrong? Like what happens when you don't have five? Let's take a yeah, for on that sure. So I can talk a little bit about times I've seen it not work. So if they're not bought into the foundationals, so I'll tell you that on the corporate marketing side, I knew I needed to leave. So I wanted to get as much experience doing some tactical stuff so I could boost my resume so I could, you know, move on to another company. Um, when I've seen it not work on the agency side, then it's just, it's uncomfortable and frustrating for both parties because on the agency side, you think this client has bought into all five, really. Like you think they're, they're bought into your strategy. They want to give you the time and resources. They, um, believe in the foundations. They, and then it's usually almost always the time. So we just either didn't communicate it correctly or they misinterpreted how we were um, communicating results. So the time aspect, I think, is where it goes wrong the most often. So they want results faster. And I don't know. It's almost just like it's frustrating for me as a marketer because I don't want to be seen as a lever to pull when you need money. You know what I mean? So like, I think the, the most uncomfortable client relationships I've been in have been, what are you giving me? You know, like, what is the ROI of our relationship here? Like I hired you so that you could be my 500 X growth lever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's funny. You're thinking of that. Cause I'm aligned. I almost said number six was either humanity yeah. or kindness. I wasn't quite sure how to phrase it. Um, but I think that's an element of a good agency client relationship is that you understand we're people and we are not transactions and we are not levers, but we are people. And when you understand that things like investment, time, buying, that changes, right? It's um, you're not buying us as a product. <laughs> you know, we are literally human beings who are going to run your marketing, hopefully teach you something, hopefully um, get results as a team. So Super well said. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, I mean, 
we're not trying to scam you out of your money. You know, <laughs> if you don't win, we don't win. You know, like maybe you didn't win on the timeline we initially estimated, but we're here to help you win. We're here because we really think, you know, we did this very thorough discovery workshop. We vetted you beforehand. Like we're executing this marketing plan because we actually believe it'll work for you. Man, what a yeah. good combo. I'm going to read number five again and kind of wrap up here. But for our listeners, you're, you're in a tactical marketing role. Maybe you're moving up to being a senior. Really what I want you to get out of this is um, if you don't have five, keep asking the why. Is It will help you to the next part of your career when you get into an agency or in-house where you have maybe one through three or you know hopefully one through five. So here they are again. What makes a good client agency relationship? Number one, buy-in. Number two, investment. Three, time. Four, questions versus facts. Five, marketing fundamentals. And six, for a bonus, be kind. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that makes a great agency-client yes. relationship. Um, any other thoughts, Mary, before we say goodbye? No, to that listeners? was great. Good wrap-up, Aaron. Uh, yeah, this, this one was fun. And again, James, get well soon. Um, I hope you're listening to podcasts. I don't know if you do. And listeners... Give us some feedback, DM us, um, go on LinkedIn, ask us questions. We're always there for you. Um, we appreciate you. You have a good one. Mm-hmm.